thing anything you say in the summer you can't really hold yourself to it right Ziskin? i can hold myself to it i just i didn't have Deion sanders in the uh in the near future so here we are we're gonna talk some colorado buffaloes football buff nation today feels pretty good i don't know if i actually said it on the show or not but i said that it, this just wasn't that fun anymore um not just this show in particular but just like see you in general <laughs> um yeah Deion Sanders is definitely fun. So I have fun. I've experienced less fun things than primetime in Boulder already. Yeah. I, I love the breakfast spot ratings. Someone's about to get filleted, though. Yeah, I was going to say, like, what Boulder institution does he go to that is the first one where he's like, eh, I'm good. I know what it should be. I don't know if it will be. Because he's a big donor, but Pasta Jays, anyone who knows, knows. Respect Pasta Jay and his uh, love for the buffs. I'm from the East Coast. I'll take my Italian needs elsewhere. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, we were pretty excited in this household when he went to La Peep because uh, Nina worked there in college. But this might be sacrilege, but straight up, uh, he can go to the sink and rip it apart as far as, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I am a, I'm a bit of a sink hater. I think the burgers are really mid. Everything else there is really mid, and the ceiling is very short. And I don't appreciate <laughs> yeah. that. Ceiling is definitely not mid. I don't, know. I don't forehead, appreciate that. My forehead can tell you that it is below standards. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, look, like this whole thing has been – Absolutely wild. I mean, Nina and I went to uh, the last game of the year against Utah. Uh, we were in Colorado for Thanksgiving, and last minute we snagged some tickets, went up to Boulder, and you know it was really just about hanging out with. We were with Ryan and Allie, and just kind of getting the game day and Folsom in. The, you know, the weather was incredible, and uh, we ended up going to a a tailgate with Nina's friend, Mike, uh, you know, right in Franklin field there. And the entire buzz of the place, like nobody was talking about the game, obviously, like everybody knew basically what was coming uh, once they stepped foot inside the stadium, but everybody, you could just kind of tell, like every discussion was like, this isn't really going to happen. Is it like, there's no way like something like this could happen. We Whoa. keep being mentioned. We keep being mentioned, yeah. but there's no way it could come to fruition. Well, let's talk about it. I mean, like I famously out old takes exposed myself because one of my one of my very first tweets in my return to Twitter was, come on, guys, <laughs> we're not getting Deion Sanders. Let's be real here. Think about all the issues we've had with the school and you think he really wants to sign up for that. So you tell me what you think. I mean, like, 
where were you at with this being a reasonable acquisition? My general rule in coaching searches is that a name only comes out publicly connected with a job. If somebody very specifically wants it to be connected with that job, like leak, I guess my thing is like leaks don't sources. Don't just like accidentally go to a reporter with some stuff in a coaching search that they shouldn't. And for, for the most part, but here's the thing for the most part, most national reporters, they really only went in coaching searches. They talk to agents and they talk to people in athletic departments. They don't talk to coaches themselves. They don't talk to donors about this kind of stuff. They talk to agents and athletic department personnel. And so whenever, when the first link came out, I asked myself who would benefit from this being out. Cause it's not Colorado in my head. It was like, there's no way anybody in Rick George's athletic department is putting this out there because number one, this could drum up other suitors of people right, thinking exactly. that you maybe they had an, yeah, like maybe somebody thought they had an off season to kind of wait it out and then find and then get Dion next year. And what if they move quicker than they would have? You know, all, all these things uh, became possible. So I didn't really see there was a way for C to benefit from it initially. Right. I mean, I think for me, so what you're talking about is true, but I think for the most part, a name comes up like that because they want to drum up interest and be like, oh, look, okay, so he has a power five opportunity. I got to throw my hat into the ring type thing. My biggest issue wasn't really so much that we should pursue him because obviously we should pursue him. You would think that (laughs) based logic. My thing was the rest of the country isn't dumb enough to not pursue him. There's no way that Colorado is going to be the most logical place for him to land. That's where I was coming from with it. Like it, blo- you know, granted, I have a little bit of Monday morning quarterback here, but anybody who's talked to me knows that this is what I expected to happen. He was going to walk in the door. This is why I've always wanted a guy with his type of personality. You need someone who is borderline over the top cocky yeah. to, to bring this program back to relevance. Because no one, no one who's in their right mind is like, I can do that at Colorado right now. You got to be a crazy person. So to me, like, why would no one else take a swing on a guy that, you know, a coaches around the country are going to want to coach for players around the country are going to want to play for. And then B media is going to be all over it. I mean, this is a thing that I think people didn't really understand was that every national guy loves Deion Sanders or at the very least loves what he brings to their job, which is entertainment value. So all these national guys are going to be all over this as long as he's there. And I just don't understand why anybody else around the country wouldn't want to be a part of that. Yeah, I remember thinking if we like to the coaching search again. Like, it really, the three names that we heard the most often were, like, at a certain point, Dion, right? And then Bronco Mendenhall and Tom Herman. Like, those were the three names most consistently that were in the public eye, on Buff Stampede, from really, like, people you talk to, like, those, a lot of, that. that's where a lot of the buzz was, at least. Uh, right. that those names kept coming up. and And then Ryan Walters as well. Like, especially yeah, I mean, the kinda, back half. Kinda, right, the back half, yeah. Yeah. And, 
like I, I do remember thinking to myself, I saw Bronco Mendenhall a lot like Mike McIntyre, like a guy who could probably get enough guys in with their talent evaluation to get us back to where we're winning five games a year with a, with a pop up to six and seven. But like that guy in a place like Colorado, like that, here's the thing. I know Virginia is a tough place to recruit to with their, uh, their academics and kind of their standing in the ACC, but also you are an, like you're an hour outside of DC, Northern Virginia, which has good high school football, not like, elite but really good and baltimore you're a couple hours away from virginia beach you know and that entire metro area which is so like there's a football culture there like you 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 have access to the metro areas whatever guys you can get in there byu has its own international network of recruiting grounds like at colorado you have to i really believe that while bronco could probably find the guys to get us up to five six wins and maybe even Tom Herman, I've said this before to you and probably on the show, I don't care who they hire as long as they can get us a quarterback that is, you know, good enough to win us six or seven games, like not quite on his own, but like, you know what I mean? Yeah. We've learned, I mean, we've learned that the coach, I mean, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter, but like, if you don't have a great quarterback, you're not going to win. If you don't have a good quarterback, you're going to get blown out. Exactly. You can have a good coach, but if your quarterback isn't up to par and we haven't had one for the entirety of my fandom, more or less, (laughs) you're not going to be good enough to compete on a regular basis. Like I had resigned myself to, all right, it's probably going to be Bronco or Herman. And, you know, like in four years, we're probably going to be where we were for most of the McIntyre era. And maybe just maybe, that floor has been risen enough to then we go get somebody who's like moderately more exciting than them. Like that's, that's how I had been trained to think about how this was going to go because it was CU. And the truth is, is that like, no, nobody knows how any hire goes, but like what I am just at the end of the day, so happy about, like, no matter how this goes straight up, I don't care if even, we're not going to go winless, but like if we went winless next year, I would still be incredibly happy with the way the process of getting Dion to Boulder went because we went for the name, the biggest splash. We went clearly, Rick kept saying all in. We Mm -hmm. clearly have gone all in. And regardless of what happens from this point, seeing CU do that, we've never seen it in our like fandom. Yeah, I would, I would agree hundred percent. I mean, a, we'll be more entertaining. We'll be in the spotlight a little bit more. I, I agree. I, I obviously don't see us going winless, but even if it even if it does fail, let's just put it that way. Like even if Dion does fail in Boulder, it will have been spectacular. Like there, there's a difference between Carl Durrell failing and Deion Sanders failing to me. And really, um, kind of going back, I'm gonna put this on Jeff Bizdelic for a second here. Kind of the same thing. Like, okay, it didn't work out the way we wanted, but we got facilities out of it. Deion Sanders coming to Boulder required changes from the academic side of things from the school and they're making changes so that we can actually get players that the rest of the country is able to bring in as transfers those type of changes long term are going to help the health of this program because those things are long lasting right i think we all you know we can 
make up whatever we want, but I don't think any reasonable person thinks Deion Sanders is going to be here for a decade. If he has a ton of success, he's going to have offers from literally everyone down the line, right? So I think we all need to be understanding, okay, two or three years down the line, has he gotten us to a place where we're competing? And then where our athletic department needs to learn is don't panic and hire somebody safe following that up. Everyone wants to blame Mel Tucker for what happened, but if Rick George did his job and did the exact same thing he just did to hire Deion Sanders and got aggressive and creative, we wouldn't have been where we are right now. So hopefully he's learned from that. And I think obviously he has because Deion Sanders is in the building, right? And hopefully next time, because we are going to be in that position again, he's going to get a job somewhere else at some point. We need to be prepared with the next guy that can elevate the prestige of the program. Yeah, I basically had that monologue written out in my notes for this show. Like, I want to get to some of the culture stuff that's been happening. It's really incredible to watch. But like, the last thing I'll say about the search and you know whatever future searches is like, as you said, Dion made it very clear in his press conference. Like, his calling, as he put it, is about growth right? It's about the new challenge. He has, he played for a lot of teams. He played multiple sports. You know, he started a, a prep Academy. Like this is what he does. He tackles new adventures and new challenges. And so we have to be honest with ourselves that like that that's going to happen. But there are two things about just the fact that he is here that prove to me, or, or at least tell me that I should expect things to be different in the future. And the first thing is that everything you just mentioned about all of the changes that are being put in that were instrumental in convincing him that he could come here and be successful will outlive him. And And so let me just interrupt real quick and say that we obviously need to see those changes happen. Like they're all talking about it now, but it needs to become an actual policy that gets implemented. But with Dion here, you assume that is going to happen. Well, and Stefano said in the Daily Camera that it was actually an easy process. He didn't realize how easy it was to oh, implement the change. It's weird. Like, you know, fuck off, man. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh, congrats <laughs> on doing five minutes of effort, dickhole. <laughs> and so it's like, so those things are going to outlive him. But also, and this to me is, will lead us kind of into the discussion about uh, culture here, is that, man, there are certain I'm trying to I'm trying to think of a good example here, but um, maybe, you know, maybe a good example would be uh, Cincinnati uh, or somewhere like that, where. When, you know, they had a couple coaches leave after being successful. Yeah. Um, and. Sometimes what is just as good for elevating the status of a job is seeing who takes it. Like I've always said with regards to Boyle, right? Like your, your job is only as good as the candidates you can attract. And, you know, that sounds obvious, but like a lot of people don't really get that. It's like your job is your, is who wants it. And right. it doesn't matter what we think about it. It exactly. matters what the coaches think about it. Yeah, for sure. That's. And so the per- perception nationally that Deion Sanders came to Colorado, I really do believe that that will pay dividends down the road. It's like that is kind of the snowball effect from the policy changes of people saying like, man, like 
obviously we're, we're expecting him to have success and he needs to have success, but like right. that, yeah. I That's think I was just, just going <laughs> to say, like, obviously he can't go two and 10 and one and 11 people are right. obviously going to lose that luster, but yes, you're right. I think if he is able to attract talent here and there's proof of concept to that, then, then even then like the wins on the field become less about the Colorado program and they become more about the coaching staff. Like if, if we can build out a talented roster and we have, four stars committing. We're going to talk about that. I think that even is enough to show that Colorado is still a place where hot name coaches can come and get talent here and then rely on their ability to coach and win games. Yeah. If they have an even playing field with the rest of the country, which they have not had, it's a more desirable job for sure. I mean, that's, I think that's the most frustrating thing for me about this. You know, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a negative Nancy, but like, the school literally did put in like a month's worth of giving a shit. And we went from one and 11 to Deion Sanders. Like how many years ago could we have simply gave a shit and been relevant that we've been sitting here in 20 years of absolute dog crap. And it really didn't take much for us to put ourselves back, you know, on an even playing field with a lot of the rest of the country that, you know, like it's exciting that we're here, but I look back and it's like, man, a lot of frustration and sadness and mental health drama (laughs) related to this program um, that really could have, as even, as you just said, as Phil DiStefano said, his own, in his own quote, it wasn't that hard. (laughs) Thanks buddy. (laughs) I want to talk a little bit about, some of the culture changes that have happened in polar since yeah, Dion arrived. I mean, it's so funny because we, we, you know, you and I like, un, you know, we understand like what's coming here, but a lot of people are just like, Oh, Dion, this is fun. And then they see things like exotic cars and recruiting <laughs> photos. And they're like, wait, what, what's <laughs> happening? And it's like, wait, what you're su- like, what you didn't expect that. Like, that is exactly what you signed up for. Why not the- crowd? And you better get used to it real fast. It was Loki almost tame compared to what I thought it could be. Yeah. <laughs> like, no girls in the photos, not a one. Right. Right. I was like, look, man, we all saw Dion's music videos. Like we, we know what it can get down like. Yeah. What uh I know this is kind of like week old news at this point, but there was a lot of chatter about his locker room speech to the players. Yeah. And I really want to address, I've been wanting to address this publicly and I I just kind of haven't partly because I knew we were going to get together on this podcast. Uh, It's taken a little while, but like we're here. And also because I kind of wanted to see where the chips fell a little bit, but like what, when you first watched the video of the speech in the, in the meeting room, like, what were you thinking? Hell yeah. Straight up. I mean, I think we, I've all, I've made it pretty clear throughout the years that I don't like, if you, if you're playing, we'll say D one sports, but really it's any sport. Like you have to be tough. Like nobody was more critical of their play of my own play than me. Now, granted it is a different level. I don't have national writers talking shit about me or podcasters <laughs> and any of that. I get all that. I understand that. Okay. It's not the same comparison, but like that type of stuff didn't hurt me because I knew when I played bad. Like if I played on a bad basketball team, I knew we were bad. Anyone else telling me that, you know, didn't change anything. I was harder on myself than anyone. And I don't know. It just seems to me like kids these days, they really don't want any criticism at all. And, and I get it. Like you don't want to hear 
people say bad things about you, but you control that. Go out there and win games. Compete. You know, like even even you know that's the thing. Like that, this team did not compete. They played hard, but getting blown out by forty every game. If you don't think you're going to be criticized for that, like come on, man, you're one in eleven. Like no one's a you know you're a better football player than me. We all get that. That's not the argument that we're making. Like you're being graded on a scale of your peers, the people that you play on a week to week basis. That's what we're talking about, right? And the coach needs to follow suit on that. Like he walked in and talked to a bunch of guys that went one and 11. Deion Sanders knows going one and 11 is not acceptable. So either you guys step up and improve, or I'm going to find somebody who will. And that, you know, it's a cruel business. You know, that that's how it is. That's how college football is transfer portal. The way it is these days, you know, every, all the kids wanted it. And I think it's good for a lot of reasons, but it works both ways. Yeah, You're somewhere, and if you don't do your job, you want to be able to leave, right, and go do what you want to do every single year. Well, guess what? They're going to be able to tell you to kick rocks, too, because that's how it works. Yeah, I think you nailed it. And I I think the part of it that really stuck out the most to me was when he talked about the beautiful facility and – he said, my boys back at Jackson State would kill for what you have. And you don't and respect that's 100% it. true. And he said, you don't respect it. And it kind of, that moment, like, really summed up what I've been feeling for the last two years, where, you know, it was like the Makai Blackman and Brennan Rice transferring situation, and, and Christian Gonzalez as well, where it felt like, we were just lucky to have these dudes. They were gracing Colorado with their presence, with their talents. And as soon as they could get out and go to a, what they perceived as a bigger opportunity, and it was, they did. Yes. Like, I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to say, say like, and then I'm going to say something. <laughs> and what I want to say here is that every single player felt like they were bigger than the program. And that is that you can't have a winning culture with that. Like, I agree. Like, there are guys at Alabama, there are backups at Alabama getting drafted in the NFL. Like, obviously, like that, that locker room, those locker rooms at Georgia, Bama, Ohio State are going to be filled with generational wealth earners for their descendants, right? And yet, those motherfuckers know that when they go out there, that script a means more than they do. Yeah. Now at Colorado, it's a little bit different because Alabama's success in Alabama's brand is just so far beyond where we are right now, but we have a talisman. We have Deion Sanders and Colorado football has become Deion Sanders football. And I think right now that that is exactly what we needed. We needed a brand refresh. We needed a culture refresh. And right now, what he walked in there and said is that, yeah, man, like some of you guys were just waiting for the portal to open so you could go to, you know, conference rivals so that you could go back home and play at a bigger school, all this shit that you think. Well, guess what? None of you bitches are a must keep. None of Absolutely. you. Absolutely. One in 11. Listen, I, let me let me go back and just say something because obviously I have been off the say my opinion train for a while now. (laughs) 
all of the players that let you, like you just said, they felt like they were bigger than the team. Can I be honest? They were. That's how bad the culture was and the coaching staff was in this previous regime. I cannot blame a single one of those kids for leaving. The entire fan base who was crushing these kids was saying the exact same things. We're garbage. I can't believe this is a thing. Why would you want to play here? Why would you want to watch this? I'm not paying money to support this program anymore. All of us were saying that. And then crushing the players for being like, you know, I think I'm going to find myself a better opportunity. To me, that's super hypocritical. I wouldn't want to play for Carl Durrell. Straight up. What he was doing there was taking the program down. It worked out for all those kids. Like, I get it. I get it. You signed with a program and you want to, you know, you want to have loyalty and all that kind of stuff. But do you really think those kids felt like they got what they signed up for? Did you like that's what they, the expectation was? I don't know. Not for I, don't, I don't know. But to me, it's this. It's that, man. Yeah, you're talking trash about how bad Colorado is. Well, guess what, motherfucker? You are Colorado. Yeah. Well, first, yeah, I didn't like them. I didn't like some of the things that were said going out the door for sure. Like there was some petty stuff, especially from Makai. But at the same time, there are a lot of rumors that Darrell didn't want Makai back, which is hilarious. Um, and to me, I don't know. It's just like, that was a pretty shitty opportunity that they were in. And like USC finished fifth or whatever. So two of those guys were in competing for a playoff spot. Mark Perry gets to play in the playoffs. Christian Gonzalez is going to be a first round pick. He might've been anyway at Colorado. I'm sure he would have got draft high, but Oregon was competing for that as well. Right? Like, they got an experience at the college level that any kid would want. Does it hurt that it wasn't at CU for me? Yeah, of course. But like at the end of the day, those kids did what was best for them. And it sucks that what was best for them was leaving Colorado, but it's hard to blame them. You know, yeah. do you think they make that same decision this year with Dion? No, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess what I will say is that when you have yeah, when you have a roster that the disparity between the top and the middle is so wide, right? Between the top end talent and just other starters is so wide. Um, I yeah, guess I mean, it, it, it it can foster that for sure. But I think I mean, let me, not, let me ask this. Let me ask this. If all those guys stayed last year, what was our record? I mean, okay, let's look at the that top four, right? Mark Perry, Christian Gonzalez, Makai Blackman, and Brennan Rice uh were probably three and nine, four and eight. No, you think we gotta get three more wins from those guys? No chance. I would have said two and ten. Okay. I, I like three and nine. The only reason why I would say four and eight is that um I mean and Jerk Broussard, like I don't know. Our defense was so fucking bad, but our offense, I don't know. It, it, I guess this is beside the point. I guess what I'm, what I'm really trying to get at here is that like, again, you, you put it well, when you said the transfer portal was wanted by the players and they should have won it. They should, if you are, you know, if you're Makai Blackman and you don't get on with your head coach, if you're Christian Gonzalez and your position coach that you feel like unlocked something in you, is leaving for sure. And then, then like, fair enough, but guess what? 
when Dion walked in that locker room, he it took him a minute and a half to set the entire tone for the next two years. And Carl Durrell is never going to do that. Ever. Ever. And so what, what Dion did was walk in there and say, guess what, man? You think you're too good to be here? You don't want to be here? All right. Cool. I'll find Start. somebody who is. Yeah. I am some motherfuckers that Carl Durrell should have had, but did not have. You know, like he, he's the one who fostered a culture that allowed people to feel that way. Yeah. And then not only did that happen, he did nothing about it. Yeah. The replacements were unacceptable. You know, like they went one and 11 for a reason. If people want to blame the coaching staff and granted, obviously the coaching staff didn't do their job either. That's a talent deficiency, bro. You don't go one and 11 with talent. You just don't. Yeah. Straight up. Yeah. What are you? um, I want to talk about the press conference as well. Because, you know, he he clearly had some, like, messages that were pre-written for both that he wanted to deliver. And it was, like, word for word, the same shit. And you know what? Like, I get a kick out of it. Uh, I could see if I was, like, 20 years old being like, bro, that's kind of corny. But, like, it is what it is. Like, if if, with that being said, if somebody just told me, like, I can hit the fucking curb, I'm not telling him he's corny at all. I'm like, goddamn, this motherfucker is real. But, like, in the press conference... I have never seen anybody win a press conference like Deion Sanders won his introductory press conference. As head I mean, coach can I just say I'm, I'm going to be negative me because that's what I do. But like the, the reaction to everything that he, he could literally say, go fuck yourselves. And the entire fan base would be like, yeah, Ooh. everything that he says right now is going to be hit with a hundred percent success rate. So it's kind of funny to me, like just watching the fan base go wild. There's a couple of things that he said that I'm like, wow, if somebody else said that people would be real pissed. Like, like I saw he wanted to pull down the pride and tradition quotes, the pride and the tradition quotes and the uniform, like the, the fan base, if that was anybody else would have been like, whoa, I love you, but you need to fucking chill. <laughs> and that conversation has not happened at all. Cause I think they see what's coming with the culture changes and stuff. But to me, like, I don't know. He definitely had some corny ass stuff and, you know, he definitely prepared some, like he just came off the cuff with all that. He didn't come off the cuff with all that. He prepared some of those statements and that's fine. Like he's a stud, but he's not, he's not going to be perfect. And I think people are kind of like setting him to almost a God level status right now. And I think that's unhealthy. I'll just say that. Like, this is exactly what I wanted from a coach and to see people's, reaction like skyrocket up to the moon past how happy i am about it It makes me a little uncomfortable like i don't want him walking through basketball arenas getting touched and like people blocking (laughs) blocking his view so that they could take pictures of him and stuff like that's weird bro leave the guy alone he's a football coach it's gonna be okay so the two things that i want to say on that is the the first one is I think a lot of what you're saying of people allowing him to maybe get away with some shit early on or that other coaches might not be able to. And I think that's true because it's the on centers. I also think that we're a fan base that has never been more aware. Like, you know, before it was pretty clear that Dion was coming, no fan base in the country was more aware of where they were. than Yeah. Fans. Yeah. And there's desperation. I get, it. I get it. And I'm so it's like, like we you, can't, you can't ask 
for radically different results in a radically different program without expecting a radically different program and some radically different shit being yeah. done than has ever been done before. With that being said, yes, I actually said to some people on Saturday night over drinks, uh, that, you know, they know who Dion is. They don't follow Colorado sports, but I was like, yeah, like it was a little uncomfortable watching people reach out and just like grab this dude while he's walking through. And, uh, and you're right. Like the celebrity of Dion is already so wild. Um, yeah, and, and let me just say I've never like also I just don't act that way around all celebrities. Like I don't understand it. It's not just a Dion thing. I felt this way before. Like, like the way people talk about the Queen of England and stuff like that. It's like I just don't get the allure, like the the desperation to like fall in love with somebody you don't know like that. Like let them do their job, and you can have respect for them and like be happy that they're here. But like, don't be grabbing on people you don't know like that. Yeah, I will say though, like. The, it's the double-edged sword. There's the there's the over the top. There's the uncomfortable. There there is the, you know, like I, I'm not gonna lie. I was pretty uncomfortable. This came out in one of the videos. Uh, there are like these two. I don't know, like probably freshman or sophomore little like snowboarding white dudes with shaggy hair, doing the like cadenced accent of like I'm bringing my bat, my luggage, and it's Louie, and yeah. I was like. Uh, I was like, bro, like, chill the fuck out. <laughs> like, you're, I was, I'm not gonna lie. Like, I was a little, there's been some shit that I'm, that I'm personally not all that comfortable with, but I will say that the other side of the sword is undeniable. $50,000 of merch in one day, you know, all of a sudden, the second most followed Instagram and Twitter account in the conference. Like, what, okay, like, to put this into a constructive, observation the pr the like all of this is proof of what every fan has been saying that a football program can do for a university is change its brand nationally in a positive way that i don't want to dwell too much on the other side of things uh because we're seeing a complete shift in the way that Colorado football is perceived nationally. And, and Clatt said it on his podcast that CU is the most nationally relevant program that there is right now in the last two weeks. And you know what, even in the midst of the college football playoffs, maybe this is just my bubble and that's fair, but like I have never seen a coaching hire generate in, in sports generate this kind of media movement i've never seen i agree but are you surprised um i'm not gonna lie bro like i kind of am in 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 in, in one in one way like you know i knew that dion is one of the biggest celebrities in sports like without a doubt think about how much how much airtime he got in an hbcu yeah uh, and again, this is maybe just like the damaged part of my soul being a Colorado fan, but I thought I was worried. I didn't know if I thought it would happen, but I was worried that the negativity around CU football would impact the coverage to the point where it was less about like, holy shit, look at this higher. And it's more like, what the fuck is Dion doing? See, I think the negativity is fully controlled in our fan base. I think the general national perception of Colorado football is that it's sad where we have gone and that almost all of those guys 
would prefer us to return to glory. Like that's why because I all most of the national guys are like Colorado needs to come back. It's what's good for college football. That's how I generally see the perception of Colorado, where it's like, oh, they're being made fun of like how bad it is, but like in a sad, I wish this would change way. Like the negativity and the hate is is all internalized in our fan base, like where it's gotten toxic and bad. It's not right. like that around the country. Right. Yeah. I mean, clearly I think you're right. I mean, I I I just com- I had a completely different uh idea of where this might go. And I don't know, man. Like you, you said it earlier. You said it in our text. Like you can't think of anything more fun than Deion Sanders. Like this has been uh, a whirlwind. I want to. I want to get to some of the stuff that's actually happened. Like, what was it? Day one, we get the twenty twenty four five star <laughs> wide receiver. You want to know how ridiculous of whiplash I had right now? You want to know what my re- <laughs> you want to know what my initial reaction to that was? Oh, it's not a kid from this class. That's a bummer. We need help right away. Legitimately, that was my initial reaction. And then I'm like, wait a second. I'm that's my reaction to us getting a five star. Like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> Bro, like, all right. On that note, then we get the the Notre Dame four star running back from Kansas City. I think from Kansas City. Yep. Dylan Edwards. And I mean, it looks like more on the way. And here's the thing that I was low-key worried about. Like when when Dion was like, I'm bringing my luggage and it's Louie. First of all, what a fucking line. Like incredible. what an incredible line. But the type, of was, stuff, the type of stuff that a lot of this fan base isn't ready for. I was a little worried that it just meant like a bunch of guys at Jackson State that he really liked. Obviously, I didn't think that's all it would be. But I thought that this would generate wild ass interest in recruiting in the transfer portal. I did not know that I should expect it to be this. Yeah. I mean, I think there's two sides, like there hasn't been, we only have three commits, right. That have come on since he's gotten there. So it's, you know, there's been a lot of interest. You know how I am with recruiting interest means nothing to me. you got to seal the deal. I'm not going to change that mindset just for Dion. Do I think he will, do that more often? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. We're going to get some guy. We're, we're going to improve the talent on this roster for sure. Me being me again, though, I would caution people to chill just a little bit. Like this is a one in 11 roster. He could do a lot of damage this year and we're still not competing for a national championship this next year or, or maybe even in a couple of years, you know, like I think even he said in his press conference, like it's going to take longer than you think. And I hope people just kind of enjoy the ride. That that's I think a I did a lot of a lot of work on myself, and, and like I'm in a much better <laughs> place with this program than I was a year or two ago. Um, to me, like I'm looking forward to just being able to watch us compete and have fun and enjoy like the actual games. This team's not going to go one and eleven. They're not going to lose every game by 35 points. But I think I have a somewhat reasonable expectation that they're gonna they're gonna compete. But they. It, I'd be surprised if they're a top 25 program in year one. Like people are going to look at USC and say, oh, well, it can be done. But come on, man. That entire roster is full of four stars, five stars. It's a little bit easier to get, you know, plug and play talent in the transfer portal when you have that baseline. We don't have that baseline yet. It's going to take a little bit of time. So I was originally, I was going to ask you where you saw this team next year. And well, we got to see. 
Yeah, that's kind of what I guys that have to come in. That's like we have no idea. Also, man, like it is so rare for there to be a complete roster overhaul year one, and things just hit the ground running. Right. It's what I. But I'll say this, man. I. I don't think we really have a frame. We have, we don't have a frame of reference for this. People can talk about USC all they want. As you met, it's a different situation, but we're talking about what I think will probably be the single widest swing of talent infusion ever in the sport in one off season. Can I, can I just say like the simple comparison to me is Arizona right now. They were a truck. I mean, we trounced them two years ago. And, you know, hired a coach, brought in a bunch of talent, had a five-star kid come in. I don't, I, they finished four and eight, right? Yeah. I want to say. So, like, they were a lot better this year. Way, way better. But still, you know, like, they're not in the top 25. It, it takes time. It's, it's not just a talent thing. Like, they have to mesh. They have to understand the concepts. Like, it's a whole new coaching staff, new plays, new schemes, all that stuff. New communication, new relationships have to be built. Think about all the transfers we've had in years past, almost none of those guys live up to expectations in year one, right? It's usually that second year that they're with the program that they start playing the way that you think they can. So to me, you know, yes, we'll be improved next year, but I think people are going to set themselves up for disappointment if they expect us to go in and have a 10 and two top 25 ranked like Shadur Sanders, number one in the Heisman, like you're starting to see on Twitter these days, like, that seems like unreasonable expectations to me and people should be a lot more focused on like, okay, we're getting back into it. We're, you know, people want to talk about us now. Let's enjoy this season. Don't go straight into the, I'm going to be disappointed if we're not national title contenders, like just enjoy a year, just enjoy it for what it is. And then we can start setting those expectations. Yeah. So Arizona went five and seven, three and six in conference. Um, The one one thing that I will be interested to see is this, is that my general rule with transfers kind of piggybacking on of what you said is that transfers that who transfer up, I have more faith in than transfers who transfer down. Like, and what I mean by that is someone going from a Colorado or a Washington state or, or, or like kind of similar programs, like lower third of your conference, like the best players there transferring up to a USC, something like that. I trust more uh, because those are guys who have proven themselves. Like that's how they get those opportunities. Players who leave in Oklahoma, who leave a Texas A&M, who leave a USC and transfer down in stature. Right now. Now, typically, and I don't want to say Colorado now, and I'll explain why. Like transferred down in stature, like JT Shrout when he transferred to Colorado, uh, the Robert the Barnes. Robert Barnes. Yes, exactly. Like those guys. There's a reason they're down. going from Oklahoma to Colorado. Like exactly. let's be honest with ourselves here. And yeah. and the and they transfer down, and the excitement around them is usually based on their high school accolades, because that's all you can really go off of when someone is leaving Oklahoma in 2020. For Colorado, they are doing so based and the excitement is all around who they were in high school. I don't know why 
I know why people don't remember this stuff because that's just the ride of being an emotional fan. But like what you do in high school means shit. Once you get in a college program, like yeah, you, three, you, especially by year three, right? Like by year three, you usually are who you are. And so what I'm going to be fascinated to see though, is whether Colorado standing in that way changes at all. Like, are we, are we simply taking like runoffs? from what we perceive to be larger programs or does Colorado truly become kind of a destination for transfers where they don't necessarily see it as going down a level to showcase themselves finally and get playing time. It's more of a, I have proven that I can really play at a level like Colorado. That's going to be the biggest thing for Dion is taking our transfers from the Robert Barnes of the world and turning them into the Brennan Rices and the Mackay Blackmans who come into your program ready to fucking go yeah i mean you need some of those guys i think the biggest you're right i I think the other biggest mark that they have to hit is that your depth has to be a lot better than ours has been over the past 10 years football is a dangerous sport people get injured you see it every year by the time november runs around we're starting third or fourth string guys every year and it's bad like you you have to have talent deeper in your roster than we have had. That's the next thing that we need to get to as a program where, okay, somebody went down. We can't feel sorry for ourselves because that happens to every football program. Next man up. Sure. He's not a starter, but he can plug and play. The defense isn't going to lose a ton of its pizzazz for lack of a better term. When that happens, like that's, that's where, that's when you start to become a solid program where you can take some of those hits and still keep the train moving. All right. I want to, I want to end on like excitement and positivity. So I'm going to ask this question now, uh, before we move towards wrapping things up, what maybe it's already happened. Maybe it's something you've heard. Maybe it's something that was said, uh, or maybe it's just kind of in your head. Like what are some, are there any yellow flags caution? marks for you so far like if i guess or what are you most if you're hesitant or worried about something what is it i mean i guess in the context of like competing for titles um i i would say that he brought more guys from his jackson state staff than i would have liked to have seen um i I think people are definitely really high on the coaching staff and some of the hires have been fantastic i would say some of them have just been okay um, but that's all speculation, right? Like we don't know these guys personally, who knows how it's going to play out, who they get. I think ultimately it's a matter of, can they recruit talent? You know, if the, if the players are good enough, the coaches will look fine um, and, and, and vice versa. So to me, a little more Jackson state focused <clears throat> than maybe I would have liked to see, like those are HBCU staff. That's it's a big jump, not only for the players, but for the staff as well. Um, some of the expectations, like, I hate to see that, like people seeing Shador Sanders as the front runner for the Heisman, like, I just think that's unfair to him, unfair to the program. And I think the fans are setting themselves up to be disappointed. Like he could have a fantastic year and not be in the top 50 of the Heisman. You know, like there's, we, we tend to do this as fans, right? Where it's either garbage or it's you're a Heisman runner. Like there, there's a lot of very good quarterbacks out there 
that aren't competing for the Heisman Trophy this year. Um, you know, we haven't had a quarterback in the top 50 of the sport for a while. Like, let's get to that level first, and then maybe we can start talking about, like, okay, he's elite, and then maybe when that happens, we can start talking about, okay, he's a Heisman contender. Like, there, there's a big gap in there. Uh, and I, I just wish, you know, let's let things settle down. He has a big jump to make as well. Like, playing against HBCUs is a lot different than playing against USC and Utah. Like, different level of talent. Um, I think he's a fantastic player and he'll be very good for us, but still there's going to be a learning curve. Yeah. I, I I'm actually going to start with the quarterback. Um, we need to, the way I see it is that we need to land a future starter, a future upper half of the pack 12 quarterback this next cycle, because We what what I would be nervous about, and I know the transfer portal is its own thing, but like, you know, if if JT Shroud has taught me anything, it's that I'm scared of transfer quarterbacks. Um, I know that I know plenty work out in other places. I'm just scarred at the moment, so I'm protecting myself here. But like, the reason why I think we need to land a high level quarterback this cycle is because we're going to need somebody to step in when Shador leaves, and that's where you can take your biggest step back is at quarterback. For sure. And and so that's my worry. Um, I'd say, you know, the tough thing is that like guys don't want to wait anymore, right? They right. want to play right away. And I saw you don't get to do that at Colorado when Shador Sanders is here. I saw a stat and I didn't back it up. So this could be wrong, but I, I'm sure it's closer to this than than you would like to think. Someone told me that in a in a recent class, I think it was 2020 or 2019, 45 of the top 50 quarterbacks have transferred. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's very difficult to find guys. And, you know, we've put ourselves in a situation like we're obviously excited about Deanna and Shador, but we saw how it went with Cody and Dan. It's not the same situation necessarily, but it is hard to recruit a quarterback when the coach's son is the quarterback. You know, yeah, like the, I can the benefit see is that he's a sophomore. The benefit right. is that he's, yeah. but I mean, you're not going to want to come into that program and play behind him because the natural inkling is that, of course, he's going to get the benefit of the doubt. And he is. Uh, Deion Sanders made it very clear <laughs> that he is going to get the benefit of the doubt early on. So, you know, I think he's a good player, but at the same time, you're right. It, it's going to be a battle to fill out that the depth there. You're going to have to find somebody who really trusts Dion to develop you. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So that, that I'd say that's definitely my number one worry. Um, and then kind of going along that is just, I think the expectation game, but more than that, I mean, what I would worry about, and, and this is just, you know, when you've been a lovable loser for as long as Colorado has, you kind of learn to cope by, either finding happiness or finding comfort and like being somewhere that quote unquote does things the right way or does this or does that like you, you grasp at straws for any sort of comfort that you can to, you know, lessen the sting of what you're actually going through. And, you know, I, I said earlier that what this program really needed was for someone to come in that was larger than life to provide legitimacy and provide excitement and provide energy and get everybody to really buy into one vision. I think that 
as that flushes out, as that growth, like where we go from here, whether that's with Dion in, you know, three, four, five years, whether that's after he goes to another opportunity, whatever it is, we're going to need a program identity that is Colorado football. And that's hard to do. And that's hard to grow uh, sustainably and with real roots when you kind of know that you're going to be in another coaching search in a few years, like maybe, maybe, right. Like maybe there's a chance that this goes radically different than Dion has kind of prepped us for, but like the, the best programs in the country have identities that are program based. And there are a few, there are the many. best ones, the best. Yeah. yeah. I, I think what I was going to say is in the NFL, you see that a lot more in college. It transitions a lot. You know, like it's, I, I mean, know, even, even, even Alabama, like for a long time, they were kind of plotty and they played really strong defense and they still have the defensive side, but now they're really up tempo and play fast and score a ton of points. Like it does kind of see around a little, I, but this is where I almost disagree. And Alabama is almost the perfect example is that their offense has changed, but the, the identity of that program that at first it was saving. Like when he first came in, like Alabama had been in the shit for a long time. And yeah. at first the culture was saving, but now everything that Saban preaches with having, you know, arguably the best strength and conditioning program, like in the country, having that being an identity, having their defensive identity. Like when you play Alabama, it doesn't matter who they have at quarterback. You are in for a physical war. Unlike, you see right. really anywhere else when you play Ohio state doesn't matter who the coach is right now. And, and that was partially because you had that smooth transition from urban to Ryan day. And, yeah. and that's where like coaching can help ease it through. But like, that is a program that is, we have playmakers, we are speed. We right. are the sec of the upper Midwest. Like those are those identity markers that can kind of carry you through and I will be interested to see how that develops under Dion. And when he leaves, do, does that, has that taking up root in Boulder enough to make it through to a new yeah. regime? I, you're not wrong. I guess to me, like, again, like immediately comparing yourself to the top five teams in the country to me is just not, it's not healthy, especially knowing Dion's not going to be there like Saban was for 20 years. Um, I, but this I, is why I, you hired Dion. This is why this is why you hired Dion is because you think that he can actually get that. I think in the short term, you don't hire yeah. Dion because you want him to be Nick Saban. No, no, no. I sorry, you hire Dion because you think that within the time that he is in town, he can yeah. get you to a college football playoff. Yeah, he, yeah, he can light the fire quick. I agree with that one hundred percent. But I think from a school standpoint, we know that that time is shorter, um, and. And that yet you're going to have a new regime. So you have to find something that you can hang your hat on. But I don't think it's going to be quite at the same level as you see at Georgia or Alabama or Ohio State. In my opinion, I think most of the rest of the country kind of ebbs and flows with their staff. And I think there are good and bad things to that. Like, I think the one thing I will say is I wish we did a better job taking advantage of altitude. I think Colorado should be playing fast. All the time. Um, so that's something that I'd like to see from, a, you know, transitioning from program to program. I think that makes sense because it's an advantage for us. 
Um, and it does seem like we're going to go that route. I don't know if it's because of altitude, though. Well, yeah, but like I, I don't, ca- I don't care if they do it because of that altitude. As long as we do it, yeah. and I, I completely agree with you that like I, I said this last year, and everybody laughed me off, and they were like, "Well, Colorado historically is a running program." Well, yeah. guess what? That was a different era of college football. It, but that works too. Because yes, you're but it's sorry, guys. Now. Power, you're gonna, sorry, you're gonna, power running like pro style offense versus you can still do power. Yeah, run it down their throats. The people get tired just the same way. Yeah. But what I, I, what I guess I mean is you can win a lot of games in a lot of different ways, but the, the way to maximize talent deficiencies is not by lining up in the fucking eye. No, right. It it's not old school, you know, uh quote unquote pro style offenses although that's that term is kind of out of date like what it is is that you can play fast in a lot of different ways it can be spread air raid it can be you know the the chip kelly offenses they were the number one rushing team in the country like almost every year that's what i mean yeah you can run the ball yeah okay then we're yeah yeah sorry i didn't know if i was explaining what i actually meant by that very well and I, i i don't think i did but like Nonetheless, if you can get to a place where you utilize the altitude, it can look a lot of different ways as long as it's fast. Yeah, don't take your foot off the gas. That's the only yeah, you can run whatever plays you want. Take advantages where there are ones, but you got to play faster here. That's that's what I think. Yeah. Um what can I can I finish something real quick just say the other concern that I have is just the the will of the fan base and the school to follow up on the hype. That's the other big concern I have. Like, it's not about showing up for two weeks and donating and saying, wow, this is really cool. And, oh, look, we got a few transfers and we're good now. This is a continual decades long commitment to continuing to be good. You know, you're going to have to continue to donate. You're going to have to continue to support. You're going to have to continue to push the school to follow up on the changes they've claimed they're going to make. Because if you do it for one year and it starts to fall off, He's just going to be gone quicker and the next guy is going to be less confident coming in. So people need to understand it's a long-term deal. You know, it, it, you, th- this is a honeymoon phase and it's going to be a really fun one, but don't get divorced after year two. Yeah. To follow up on that, I would say that what I really hope is that what we've seen already with the fan base jumping on board and just the exposure and all this stuff we've always talked about and everybody talks about football as being the front porch for your university i think i hope that the university has finally realized that and and that not only did they decide to make it that but they have seen that it is based on the last two weeks and and that but to your point that only sticks it out that only lasts if we last right if we treat it like we've always you know we've always said well if the program does this and i'll i I would donate if I would buy season tickets. If, well, guess what? The if is fucking here. And if yeah. you're not doing everything that you said you would like, look, I live in New York. I put down two deposits for season tickets for next year because I want the chance. And I said that if Dion, I texted you and said, if they hire Dion Sanders, I am buying season tickets. Right. I didn't really realize how hard it might be, <laughs> but I think we'll be all right. Man, we'll I just way. can I actually that reminds me of something I wanted to mention earlier uh, when we were talking about the press conference. 
I I feel weird being negative here. Uh, that's your job. <laughs> I thought it was small time what Rick George did, including the Nebraska game and the plea to buy tickets in the introductory press conference for his new head coach. I thought yeah. it was small time. It, it wasn't very smart, but also he's not wrong. But th- that's the thing. Yeah, but that's, that's not the point. The thing. Yeah, that's the unfortunate thing is he's not wrong. The fan, I mean, people are going to sell tickets to that game, and that sucks. Yeah, of course. But, yeah. like, guess what? You can do that in a mailer. 100%. I, I agree. The, the, t- the time to do it wasn't there, but he is not wrong. And, and so there, I see both sides as being incorrect in that. And if we want to be big time and we want to be Georgia, don't sell your tickets to fucking Nebraska. Yeah, it's just like, man, like, number one, you fired up that entire fan base to recreate what they did in Boulder last time. You, you made it made CU look so fucking small that in the biggest press conference in his career, he's begging people not to sell tickets. And it doesn't matter that he's right. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. And the uh, along that same line, saying that you don't have money to pay the coach is also like, like, bro, you you, you said the quiet, you said the quiet part out loud. How fucking dumb are you? Yeah, like we all know that, man. Don't say that shit. Like, we get that Dion's going to bring in enough money and it's going to be fine. It takes money to make money. We all know that. Don't say that in a press conference, man. I was I was stunned. I mean, I think there are a lot of people who are like, oh, don't you feel like, like, there have been people on Twitter who are like, oh, like, don't you feel dumb now? Rick Jordan's the best. I'm like, no. What he deserves all the criticism. This, this is exactly my point. One month of effort got me Dion Sanders, and I spent the last 10 years crying in the club. Okay, he wasn't doing his job just because he now did his job does not mean that he was doing it before. Okay, the fact that this could get done so simply and easily tells me exactly what I need to know. We were half assing the fuck out of it for a while there. I'm happy that he got it done and he's earned a second chance, but he was half assing it. Sorry. And also, on the great, your great day of jubilation, you showed your ass twice. On camera, like a fucking moron. Like I'm, I'm sorry. Like it just, it drove me so crazy that he would do that because it's so, such simple steps to avoid doing. Like all you have to do, you want to bring up the Nebraska game, and you should. Like fuck yeah, it's gonna be an exciting atmosphere. It's Deion Sanders' first home game as football coach at the University of Colorado. You know what you do? You say we are so excited that his first home game is gonna be against our historic rival, Nebraska. That's all you have to say. Yeah. Don't say anything about tickets. Nothing. Sorry, I, I just lost you because I'm talking to my Siri. Uh, I'm back. Can you hear me? But anyways, here we are. Yeah. All right, you, you wanted to finish it with something positive, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh- so we, we've we've offered ways to temper expectations. We've offered ways, uh, offered some criticisms here and there. But like, can I just say that it has been so fun to have people that know I'm a CU fan that don't follow college sports to just be like, holy shit, wait, Deion Sanders is your head coach? Like, a that has been fun. It has also been fun to just talk a whole lot of shit because yeah. it's like there's no reason that we can't yet. 
Right? I honestly <laughs> feel bad for all my CSU friends because all of them have just texted me like, God damn it. I won't be able to say anything for a decade. I think the other great part is that literally nobody gives a fuck that Matt Rule is in Lincoln right now. Yeah, which, you know, we don't need to get too far into it because no one cares. But I actually think that's a good hire. I think they'll be fine in the long run. Yeah, but again, nobody cares right now. And that makes me really happy. Because of us. Again, why would you not hire Deion Sanders? All right. Why do you think? Why do you think that, like, the interest did seem so weirdly muted? Is it just one of those cycles where, like, big jobs weren't really open? I, I, I really honestly don't know. Like, to me, it seems very obvious that this is what you would do. So right. I, I am confused. I guess some programs, like Nebraska, for example, is going to recruit at a high level no matter what. So maybe they feel like his strengths don't, you know, don't match up to, okay, this is what we need beyond that. Sure. Fine. Maybe you could see that. Like I I wouldn't have said Nebraska would have been the natural fit for him, but like some of the teams in the South or Texas or Florida. Yeah. ASU you're willing to take Herm Edwards and not Deion Sanders. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the other thing that I would say is, like what job, bro? Dion's different, man. Like he doesn't need the money. Um, I think that there's maybe a chance that, like Florida State, but not like none of the jobs that made the most sense to him in my head were gonna open. And number two, I think there's, like, listen to that press conference. I'm not. I'm not a man of God. I'm not like a. I'm not a faith person, right? I'm not a religious person. Uh, Dan Sanders is. This motherfucker believes he is ordained by God to do some wild shit at Colorado. He believes that he is in this in a place to do the unexpected, to do what other people say they can't. And that's not just at Colorado, but like that's what yeah, he yeah, believes. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I'd be careful saying at Colorado because we're going to set these Mel Tucker expectations where everybody said he's a fraud and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, okay, but, you know, I mean, he said in his press conference, it's, yeah. it's He's, not about location. It's about a destination. Right. Well, keep that in mind for us too. Like well, he, I know. Yes, of know. course. Yeah. But again, it's about, you know, stop with the negative shit for a second. Day. It's not negative. Positivity. It's just realistic. I'm just saying like, real realism is negativism. You know, okay. it's negativism. That's, that's it. what everybody tells me. I don't get that, but okay. It's 1215 in the afternoon. I don't have time for this shit. Uh, what I was going to say is that like, I don't, I wonder, you know, had Texas A&M been open, like, is he going to a place from Jackson state like that? It, like, does that interest him? Because normally with coaches who like, this is their career, this is their first career. This is like what they're building out. Their goal is to get to the highest level because that's what every coach should want. Dion is a different person. He's a different entity. And so I wonder about jobs like that, like what interest he would have in those, but he's obviously going to eventually leave Colorado, but I'm just kind of fascinated that. And I think that there's something to him wanting to go places where, you know, and maybe this could be shown in a really negative and like self-centered place, but where he is the fucking man where like he is coming in to turn a place around and make it him. And I think that is, what makes him great. 
Yes, for it's a good, perfect fit for us. But also, I why would Texas A and M not be that? It's not like they've won recently. Yeah, I, disappointment. He's going to walk in there, win a national title at Texas A and M, and he's not going to be the man. No, maybe, maybe. I, I think it's different. I think I think we both recognize the difference. Sure. In a place like Colorado, Texas A and I'm not saying Texas A and M is on the level of going into a Florida State who has their own shit going and with him as well, or or Georgia or even Tennessee. Like I'm not I'm not saying that, but I am saying it's different than Colorado. Sure, I, to me, like he's the man, no matter where he. There's like two programs in the country who he would walk in and not be. Maybe, them. maybe, yeah, maybe. All right, what are you? What are you most excited about for this for the off season, and then most excited about for his first season? The off season, I think we're just going to get. To me, like the culture is going to drastically switch, and it's not just going to be the staff; it's going to be the players. He's going to generate talent. Not yes, they're they're, they're going to want to be on social media and they're going to want to do all that stuff that some people may describe as like soft or young or millennials or whatever, right? But right. like, also the type of guy that wants to play for Deion Sanders has big aspirations and is going to put in the work to do it because he knows he has to. You go to play for Deion Sanders knowing there's going to be other guys next to you in that locker room that want your job. That, I think, is the biggest thing I'm most excited about is breeding that internal competition. CU hasn't had that in a while. I, you know, I'm not going to call out der, der, you know, specific players because I don't do that anymore. But, like, the program has gone soft. They didn't want competition. They didn't want to play tough-minded football, blah, 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 right? Like, we need to get a certain – type of player in here if we want to compete at a big at a big time level and we haven't had those guys at least not enough of those guys for sure um so i'm excited about that because you know it's a tough sport it's a tough thing to do like i'm not saying it's easy to be a division one football player because it's not not even close but it takes a certain type of person to be successful in that role and I think Dion's going to bring those type of guys, people from tough backgrounds. You know, I, I think that breeds toughness in a lot of ways. People who have been through it all, people who understand what type of work it takes to get to the next level and people who really love football. I think that's the thing that we forget sometimes is people from the South are born for this shit. Football is what they do. You look around Colorado and it's not their blood. Yeah. Yeah. There was, I don't remember who it was, but apparently there was some YouTube interview with a walk on linebacker. Uh, and they were asking him about the meeting with Dion and, uh, all this stuff. They also, uh, and I forget what the question was, but he offered up this thing. He said, you know, football is supposed to be really hard, but playing football at Colorado, like, I can definitely say it hasn't been one of the hardest things I've ever done. Playing college football, staying on the team, keeping a spot, keeping playing time when you are 19 to 23 years old, 18 to 23 years old, should be one of the toughest things you've ever had to do. Mm -hmm. And, and granted, like, I, I, you know, I, I don't mean to minimize some of the things that people go through you know, in their personal lives and all that. I, I really don't, but like the maturation that take that 
happens in a person in those four or five years when they're in college mixed with the just actual work, that should be ridiculously difficult. And it's what breeds family. That's how culture is built. It shouldn't be easy. Yeah. That's not how you become a family. Yes, exactly. Like you, you go through shit with people and that's, that's part of what makes those lifelong connections. You go through shit with people that way. When you're 30, you're retired from football or you're in the NFL or you're just at a job wherever you are and you have to go through it with somebody, then you have done that. You learn to do that. You learn to fight through, to push yourself to limits that you never knew you had. That shit has not happened in Boulder in so long that like Boulder has just kind of been like an easy place to play college football because you get to come and you kind of get to kick it. Yeah. The expectations aren't high, you know, like they've been bad long enough. It's like, oh, okay, I got my starting job. I'm safe. I'm good. Yeah. Nobody's yeah. going to come in here and take my spot. That's the thing I'm most looking forward to see change in the off season. When it comes to the season, I, I have the lowest expectations. When I say this, I'm so fucking excited to see touchdowns. Right. Dog, like I'm so excited to see just a thrown touchdown by a quarterback to someone. Yeah, I just, I'm excited to walk into a game and feel like we might win straight up. Like that's how sad it is right now. Like I haven't walked into a game and been like, yeah, pretty good chance. We win today. Hasn't happened in years. I have a question for you. Uh, when was the last time do you think that a Colorado f- football quarterback threw for 20 plus touchdowns? Oh, God. I think Cepho did it one year. I think maybe his first year starting, right? He had like 28 touchdowns and 15 picks or something crazy. But before that, uh, I have no idea. Mid 90s. No, 2001. So 2014, you were right that Cepho threw for 28 touchdowns and 15 exactly right holy shit 28 and 15 that's really sad um tyler hansen threw for 20 touchdowns in 2011 okay and before that in 2000 and i believe it was seven cody hawkins threw for 22 nice so not even two a game I am pretty excited to see someone, you know, I don't know if we're going to see 20 touchdowns. I don't know. Like, I, you know, I think I'm excited to see a quarterback. I want, I I want one single quarterback to combine for 24 plus touchdowns next year. I want someone to sack a guy. (laughs) Feels like we haven't had a sack since 2016. I know that's not true, but it feels that way. You want to see sacks? Yeah. Football sacks. All right. I don't know where else <laughs> to go after that, but uh, I don't know, man. I, I'll say this. Uh, we're going to get questions about this. I know. Uh, Murray's not here. Murray's very busy. Murray's, you know, trading crypto or something. Um, I mean, let's not blame Murray. We all barely could make this work. I fucked up once too, so. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not definitely not blaming Maria. I, I just want to say uh, people are going to ask us if we're back. 
And I just, I, I don't want to commit to anything. I, I do just want to say this. Um, we wanted to get together. We wanted to talk about this because as Tyler said, nothing is more fun than Deion Sanders. And it's been since July 13th since we got together and recorded and chatted. And so we had, a, you know, the, I think the best tweet, we got some awesome, by the way, tweets about like wanting free ball to jump back. But the best was Jeremy being like, uh, you know, free ball and pod died so that Deion Sanders could fly. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that. Yeah, I, I will definitely die for Deion Sanders. That's for sure. I, I will kill this pod for Deion Sanders a million times out of a million. Um, well, I will folks, say, yeah, I, I don't <laughs> think we're back. No. Just from a timing perspective, that's not going to happen. But it'll be, I will say for the first time in a while, it feels good to talk about CU football. I enjoyed this, and I can say that there is a good stretch there where I definitely was not having much fun. I'm, I have really enjoyed being back on Twitter. It's been very good. Um, I'm happy I haven't fallen off the wagon, done anything crazy. So it's been good times, good times, good energies. Let's go, Bucks. I, really, I don't even know what it would look like for you to fall off the Twitter wagon and then go down yes, the deep do. end right now. Right now, like as a, as a grown-up. Uh, but I, I'm not going to lie. There is part of me that just wants to like create <laughs> chaos and watch it. No, no way. Never. <laughs> Oh, man. Anyways, uh, if you're still listening, we're almost at an hour and 25 minutes. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Dion fucking Sanders is the head coach of the year. I, I will say before we jump, I loved Phil DeStefano having no fucking idea. There's a press release in front of him. He still doesn't know what number head coach Dion Sanders is. Yeah. I was like, bro, can you just go like die in a ditch somewhere oh, quietly? Wow, or at far. least just, no, okay. No, can he just go lay down in a ditch yeah, and just chill? Retire. He doesn't need to die. I'm sorry. I, I, yeah. I say, Tyler, I want Tyler to go off the deep end on Twitter. And now I'm just wishing like Chancellor's death. Yeah, yeah. Too far, too far. But you should retire, though, Phil. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Go Buffs. 